Hello and welcome to Miss Bossy Boots, keeping it real for women in business. My name is Stacey Morgan and I'm joined by my co-host Jane Hilsden. We've both been devouring Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Oh, sounds like I'm just got up early in the morning, doesn't it? It sounds like you've just downed a packet of durries. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, a bit under the weather. Um, but I can't say that. You can't tell people that you're not feeling well. Anymore? No, no, especially with anything to do with um, throat or respiratory. No. no. Oh, I've had a sniffly nose, not? People are well, like, Ugh. Well, actually, officially, you should be telling people that. But, but um, certainly, if you just think it's because you haven't had enough water for the day, don't, uh, don't alarm people. No, exactly. So, all right, I'll, I'll clear my throat later on on mute because we're recording <laughs> this online obviously because we can't catch up in person but we've been devouring glennon doyle's untamed and we thought we would talk about it in today's episode did you have another favorite thing or was it just going to be untamed jane um, no because untamed was our favorite thing last week no my favorite thing this week is business chicks Got to yes Oh my goodness, the content that they're pumping out at the moment has been terrific. And um, I forgot to tell you, I've been pushed, I've joined their, their business club. So I've been catching up with a bunch of um, other female business owners, oh, maybe once every three weeks, maybe. Um, and they're all fabulous. And, um, and I'm also going to be presenting a masterclass myself. What? For Business Chicks on the 1st of July. You're a big deal, Jane Hilsden. I know. I was so thrilled. I must say I've been, um, been pretty persistent. I've, I've had to ask a few times. <laughs> you? Persistent? <laughs> I don't believe it. Um, That's awesome. Yes, I've, I've finally got myself through the door, which is great. But um, so, yay, they're my favourite for that. But um, Business Club has been amazing. But what I've loved so much is how much that they have showed up for their community. Honestly, like they've obviously lost, you know, quite a lot of, of business. I mean, they're an events business, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they took a pretty deep dive and obviously like the rest of us have had to make, you know, changes to staff and all of that, that sort of thing. But what that's actually meant is that M, um, Olivia and um, M's, well, I think she's head of strategy, Lucy, show up all the time. So it'll usually be Emma or Olivia that are hosting the masterclasses. It'll be Emma or Olivia who are hosting our business club sessions um, which are all done via Zoom. You know, they've, they've been emailing um, me personally um, and back and forward. So I feel like I've, I've built this relationship with people who probably would have been almost a bit unreachable in, you know, pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, and they could have they could have continued to be. Do you know what I mean? They could have just gone, well, yeah, that's, it's, you know, we stopped... We stopped having that level of engagement years ago, so we'll we'll just make sure that there's someone in the business that can keep you know engaging with our members. Yeah. But instead, they're actually showing up and doing it themselves, which to me, honestly, I have just been so impressed. I think out of all the brands um, who've handled COVID, they have been the most impressive in my world by far. And the fact that Emma, Olivia, and and Lucy have leaned in 
so terrifically through this time and showed up for their for their members at a time where I'm sure they will have really been hurting and, and they're all working really long days. So for them to actually personally show up and lean in as hard as they are, like hats off to them. I think that is just such an incredible um, show of respect for, for your members. Yeah, nice. What about you? What's your what's your fave? Oh, I thought we were just going to say untamed. Um, <laughs> I moved into my new house, so oh, there's, there's yes. nothing that beats that. And how long have I waited to say that? And I'm recording this in my brand new podcast recording studio in my house, which is yes. a fancy way of saying my office. <laughs> but I think um, you could add to your favourites list, I'll add it to mine, is that fabulous wallpaper that you have behind you. It's so cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah. And um, we'll have to, I'll have to take a photo, perhaps not when I'm in my pyjamas, so yes. that you can see it. Or you'll see it as the backdrop for my YouTube videos when I launch yes. my YouTube channel, Jane. Yes, yes. Well, we we can't we can't wait. Um, and you do you you've just told me before that you made yourself look fancy for those. So we'll see you in all your glory with all your fabulous wallpaper behind. Looking curled my hair. Put <laughs> some put some lashes on. Put the lippy on. <laughs> yeah, put the lippy on. But the UGG boots down the bottom, or did you uh, did you get the heels to feel no, right in the mood? No, no way. Yeah. No way heels. Definitely UGG boots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get stuck into this. Do you have do you want to start? No, you kick off. Good. <laughs> I um so. so I'm reading from page 75 and this just like hit me like a just arrow in the heart. They convinced me that the best way for a woman to love her partner, family and community was to lose herself in service to them. In a desire to be of service, I did myself and the whole world a great disservice. I've seen what happens out in the world and inside our relationships when women stay numb, obedient, quiet and small. Selfless women make for an efficient society but not a beautiful, true or just one. When women lose themselves, the world loses its way. We do not need more selfless women. I burned the memo presenting responsible motherhood as martyrdom. I decided that the call of if the call I decided that the call of motherhood is to become a model, not a martyr. I unbecame a mother slowly dying in her children's name and became a responsible mother, one who shows her children how to be fully alive. Boom. I know. Do you know what? I reckon I, I, I had to read and reread that passage as well. Yeah. Yeah. And there's lots more around. I could, I could have read for 20 minutes. But that whole idea of a woman is meant to be selfless. A woman is told, you know, like that's the greatest compliment you can get as a woman. Like, oh, you're so, so like you're so selfless. You do so much yeah. for everyone else. That, that story that we're told that we buy into that once we have children that we have to give our entire selves to them or to the house or to the husband or to the idea of that's what, that's what a good mother does. That's what good mothering is. Yeah. But this burns that down. Um, it does. But what I find is that it kind of, it unearths, like you read it and you go, oh, shit, yes, that's, whoa, okay, I, I get that. Um, I, feel that. I feel that that's truth. But how do you undo 44 years worth of feeling that way? Do you know what I mean? Like how, yeah. and that's, 
that's how you've been behaving. And, and I would like to even think that I'm pretty good at getting my needs met in, in a lot of things. Look, I'm certainly not someone who's, who gives myself wholeheartedly to the service of others 100%, but I certainly do. And I certainly feel in my space that that's what I should be doing. Um, yeah. And I think the... Should be. Should be. Mm. And, and, that's, and that's where I think women get this overwhelming sense of guilt is because if we are exceeding in business, then we feel like we're not, you know, um, we, we're neglecting the family or the husband or the kids or the domestic duties or whatever. Um, and, and she does talk about, you know, how we, and I think Oprah had pulled her up on it at, at one stage where she was kind of self-deprecating herself a little bit in that, you know, when we, when we do achieve things, we kind of almost play it down because we don't want to be seen as, well, for, for whatever reasons, but I think we, we don't want to put other people under threat. Do you know what I mean? That, yeah. that they might feel inferior compared to us or... Do you know what yeah. I mean? So we, oh, you know, oh no, that's... we might be seen to be getting too big for our britches. Yeah, or yeah. Um, hang on a second, females aren't supposed to do that. Um, and I've actually got one of my passages that that relates to that. But before we move on to to that, or your next point, um, oh, that passage that you just read. The other thing I was going to say was. It echoed a lot of the conversation that we had with Book Mags. Was it last year or the yes. year before? Yes. When we about spoke women being numb. About women being numb, and that's where my mind went immediately. Was um, I remember having, and that was that was the first time my I'd been alerted to that was when Brooke was talking about how we feel so stretched in every direction. Um, and we, we offer ourselves so wholeheartedly to everybody else in our lives except for ourselves that we have no content, you know, a lot of the time that the, the content or the fulfilment or the happiness for us is not there. So we end up feeling numb. Yep. And, and um, Glennon talks a lot in this book about, and, and I think it just, it's a conversation that it seems to be echoed with a lot of with a lot of people at the moment, in not not just Glennon, but there's a lot of um, a lot of women and and a lot of us. I think numbing themselves um, and their their discontent by having that glass of wine or having that piece of chocolate or looking for these little endorphin hits everywhere um, to feel something. To feel something because yep. they're in this constant state of, of you know, service to, to other people apart from themselves. But again, you know, I read that passage, I read it again, but I was like, but what am I going to do with it? So what I've been doing with it is just little tiny things. So where I go, where I see myself making a decision that will put me in martyrdom instead of in modelling mode, I've been switching it. So whether that's, you know, a little decision with the kids about, you know, you know, mum wants to watch this on TV and, you know, the kids are complaining and they want this and they want that and I just want to watch the last three minutes of whatever I'm doing instead of packing up and, you know, going straight to them and their needs and stopping anything that I'm doing or that I was yeah. enjoying, having that three minutes and saying, no, 
this is mummy's thing. You yeah. guys can wait and you can yep. watch me enjoy this and then you can, then we'll, you know, we'll get the snack or we'll get the, yeah, whatever it is here. that you want to, like little tiny, tiny things that this book has made me really think about so that I'm making little steps towards an overall sense of more modeling than, than martyrdom. And I just, I, I've had it said to me several times it because I am a working mum that, you know, you're setting the right example and, but I've, found that I'm using the language more. So why yes. is mummy going to work? Because Henry's too. So he's still like, mummy, go work. No, no, mummy, go work. And I'm like, no, nope, mummy's going to work because mummy feels she great when it. she goes to work. She, <laughs> mummy loves teaching. And, yeah. and that kind of modelling rather than, yeah. well, I have to go to work because otherwise yeah. you won't be able to eat. Yes, I love it. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. that's kind of yeah. how I'm using it in little tiny ways. But yeah. without really reading, I guess the reading of the book and the reason the book has kind of hit me across the head is because this is stuff that I've wanted to think, but I've thought, oh, I can't. You know, I've got to, yeah. I, I, I can't. That's, that might be how I want it to be, but it's not realistic. But Glennon's kind of come out and said, no, you can this is okay. The way you want to live your life is okay. Your children will be okay. You are a great role model for them and them follow, like watching what you're doing is going to impact them positively and yeah. you need to embrace that. Yeah. And for me, that's just been a, like a, oh, yeah. okay, thank you for the permission. I didn't realise I needed it, but thank you. Yeah, and I guess because you you witness her story, um, and for those who haven't read it, um, I don't think this is a spoiler alert, but but she talks about her transformation out of a marriage from a partner who had been unfaithful to her, um, and that was something that had festered within her for a very long time, but for the sake of her children and for everybody else in the world, she was staying in that relationship even though she was feeling numb and even though she did know that, that this wasn't kind of happiness, she had a, she had a gut feeling right down in the, in the bottom of her belly. Um, and then she met her now wife, Abby, um, and she, you know, got out of the, the marriage and um, is now living her absolute best life. And she talks through all of the, the worries and concerns that she had along the way, mainly being I... And she kept saying, I'm destroying my family to go and be with a woman. But, you know, her, her message was that she, her message really is, is that she didn't actually destroy her family. She modelled to her children that when, you know, when you need to find happiness, you need to actually go and do that and not stay in an unhappy marriage, in her case, for the sake of pleasing everybody else. Like you are much better teaching your children that it's okay to be happy and you you can do hard things to make sure that you are happy because you're worth it as opposed to model to your children to, well, just in case, you know, you upset a few people. Don't be true to yourself. Happiness. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just take it on the chin. Um, one, where I've been using it... I think I've always been pretty good um, with my kids as, as getting, getting my needs met. Um, and, and Kev, we've got a pretty liberal household. Everybody speaks very honestly about where they want to be. I, I, it doesn't mean that I still don't feel the guilt for, um, 
you know, if I do say, actually, no, kids, I'm doing doing this, bad luck, suck it up, I still feel guilty for it. Um, but where I've taken it is into my work. So um, I've noticed, and I'm getting better and better at it, but I think this book has liberated a few things um, recently. But a lot of the time I'm saying yes to things because I don't want to let other people down. And and the 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 tagline of Glennon's book is stop pleasing, start living. And I'm catching myself now when I'm talking to people and like we're during COVID, my my revenue has has died, but people are calling up um and you know asking for me to work on on certain things or provide a quote for certain things. And if it's not if it if it's not a hell yeah, it's a no. And I'm okay with that. You know, before, I think it, it, it's also helped that I've developed a product that I'm, I'm really going to back and I, and I really want to focus on that. So it's really easy for me now to go, no, that's, you know, if this doesn't fall into that, well, then it's a no. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, there's, there's a few changes to my business that I am going to make that, uh, you know, I'm 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 kind of done with with a certain way of doing things, and I'm going to break up with that because it's not pleasing me, and I want to, you know, this is this isn't me going. Oh, I don't want to do the accounts because it's boring. Like, we all have to do stuff in life that's yeah that's, that we don't like, and I, yeah. and I don't think that that's what this is about. It's it's not. Well, you have to be a hundred percent, you know, ecstatic twenty four seven. Yeah. But on the whole, if you're doing something to please someone else and not because you genuinely want to do it, stop. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds really easy and it's actually really hard. But, it, you, yeah. but unless you're consciously thinking about it, you're just going to keep repeating your old patterns and doing what you were doing before and nothing's going to change. And your heart knows the answer, but then your head's going, oh, but I should do it because, you know. I'll just do it this time because, you know, yeah. that we'll just, you know, we'll just appease it and, and I'll avoid the confrontation and we'll do it this time, but next time. Yeah. <laughs> and it Never doesn't gonna happen. happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a really powerful passage. But yeah, as I said, I I think that really echoed for me a lot of what Brooke was saying in that that episode that we had with her. Oh my God. Okay. So this was, and again, it probably comes back to the professional. Um, side of things. Um, so Glennon's talking about, um, she, she cites a story about how she's watching one of her daughter's soccer games and there's a particular girl on the, um, on the field and I can't remember whether she was on um, her daughter's team or, or the other team, but she's got this really confident swagger, you know, and she's really not cocky, but she's, she's confident and um, um, just the way she was um, acting, um, I, would, I would say kind of out, not out, outspoken in a way, but the way she's acting, it's getting on Glennon's nerves. So Glennon has this, um, this kind of mindfulness around her anger. So when she starts to feel anger or annoyed with someone, she looks deeply within herself because she realizes it's it's not the other person's fault this is this is an anger that's coming from me and so the passage is I sat with my feelings and I realized the knee-jerk reaction I'm having to this girl is a direct result of my training 
I have been conditioned to mistrust and dislike strong, confident, happy girls and women. We all have. Studies prove that the more powerful, successful and happy a man becomes, the more people trust and like him. But the more powerful and happy a woman becomes, the less people like her and trust her. So we proclaim women are entitled to take their rightful place. Then when a woman does take her rightful place, our first reaction is she's so entitled. And I thought, my God. Yeah. Have I not been guilty of that? Yeah. And I, I see it probably with that, that younger generation where they are so much more, um, you know, happy and confident and successful and assertive and they know what they want. And it unsettles me. And I yeah. thought, yeah, that's exactly right. It unsettles me because that's what I wanted to be back then or what I want to be and they're doing it and I'm not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, and, and that's what's unsettling because then you start going, well, you know, who the hell does she think she is? Well, actually, she's who you should be as well. Yeah, and she's who you promoted her to be. She's who you wanted her to be. Yeah. And now she's there. You've changed your mind. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how dare she? But that's yeah. how that's, and I thought, wow, that I guess that is a conditioning. Look at every successful woman that we have as a role model, whether it be in politics or celebrity or in business. We're like, look at her go. She's amazing. She's going to be it all and do it all. And then she gets to there and then we beat her down. Yeah. And the only person that I can think that that hasn't happened to is because seriously, the woman cannot do a thing wrong is Jacinda Arden. Yes. Yep. Well, I haven't heard a bad word said about her. And, and honestly, I've never even thought a bad thing about her. Like, honestly, she's so inspirational. Um, and, and I, I'm yet to, in fact, I even saw on the news the other day that she's at, at, at this stage poised to become one of the most successful leaders, not female leaders, but one of the most successful leaders that this world has ever had. Oh, amazing. How good is that? Uh, um, and, and, and she's someone that I never, I'd never feel, for, it's, it's, it's the way she does it, I think too, but I, I'd ne- I never feel threatened or oh you know why is she there and I'm not do you know what I mean like she she all I feel for her is a deep deep admiration for what she does she's incredible and I hope that it's the same for our New Zealand listeners because I wonder whether we're too far removed from her Mm, and I wonder whether women in New Zealand feel the same admiration that we feel for her being a bit closer to it. I mean, I hope I'm, I'm not saying I want that to be the case, but yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Watching her from afar, it, she can do no wrong. Yeah. From the New Zealand people I know, um, certainly one in particular, good friend who moved over there. I mean, she, she's, I think that's her like idol. Yeah. <laughs> um, she absolutely adores her. And I certainly haven't heard anything from, from New Zealand otherwise, um, regardless of where you, I mean, politics might get in the way in New Zealand. So if she's not the political, you know, within the political party of someone's choice, maybe. Um, but yes, she's, she's probably the one woman in the world 
where I feel like she's she's yeah. managed to glide through with all of the amazing qualities that we want to see in women without being, you know, taken down. You know, yeah, if you, great if you, example. If you compare her to someone like Julia Gillard, for example, who yeah. just got smashed from the from the very beginning. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. Um, you know, she's she's done exceptionally well. So, what's your next one? Oh, um, parenthood. I loved this. So the goal of parenting is now never allow anything difficult to happen to your child. To that end, she must win every competition she enters. Here are your 400 participation trophies. Distribute accordingly. She must feel like everyone likes her and loves her and wants to be with her at all times. She must constantly be entertained and amused. Every one of her days on earth must be like Disneyland, but better. If you actually go to Disneyland, get a fast pass because you should never be forced to wait for anything, ever. If other kids don't want to play with her, call those kids' parents, find out why, insist that they fix it. In public, walk in front of your child and shield her from any unhappy faces that might make her sad and any happy faces that might make her feel left out. When she gets into trouble at school, call her teacher and explain loudly that your child does not make mistakes. Insist that the teacher apologise for her mistake. Do not ever let a drop of rain fall upon your child's fragile head. Raise this human without ever allowing her to feel a single uncomfortable human emotion. Give her a life without allowing life to happen to her. In short, your life is over and your new existence is about ensuring that her life never begins. Godspeed. I know. <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah. that's the memo. That's the memo that we get. That's not the memo our parents got, but that's definitely the memo that I received. And Glennon kind of then goes on to talk about, you know, how our memo is wrong and that memo is wrong and you need to let your kids learn from their mistakes and feel all the emotions and be able to work through those emotions and regulate themselves in, you know, in public and in private and have, you know, coping strategies so that they can actually go out into the world and live. And so she's written her new memo and it says, here is your baby. Love her at home, at the polls, in the streets. Let everything happen to her and be near. Yes, I love it. And I just wept when I read that. Yeah. Because so much of my life is doing things that I think I should do in order to protect my children because I thought that was my job. I mean, I know it is, but I thought my job was to protect them from all of the feelings. I forget myself and for my children that feeling the feelings is the roller coaster of life. And if you don't have the up, you can't have the down. So you've got to feel, you've got to learn how to cope with the good days and the bad days. That's right. And I feel our generation of parenting is particularly guilty of not letting our children go and explore. Like I, I think of my parents' generation and they, you know, we were, we were well, if I reflect on my, my children, I, mean, I was raised by a single mother, so she probably didn't have as much um, and, you know, worked full time and all the rest. So you know, as a lot of kids my age did, we walked home the half an hour from school and led ourselves into the house and made ourselves, you know, afternoon tea from the age of seven or whatever. Yep. But we were also allowed out, out onto the street, um, you know, all day. You know, we, we, we were, like, they didn't know where we were. Do you know no. what I mean? Like home, we, home before dark, that was the rule. 
that's it. And so we'd fall off our bikes and we'd get back up and, we, you know, we wouldn't go home if we had a grazed knee. We would just get on with it. You know, we didn't wear helmets. We didn't um, have mobile phones to check in or to, for our location to be tracked. We weren't in organised, you know, five times organised sports to ensure that we had every opportunity in life, you know, when we got to, to the age of, of 18 and learned all the skills that we will need in, in life, you know. We, we were very much allowed to go and explore the world and live the world and, um, and experience the pain um, and that's what made us a really um, independent um, uh, um, generation. I think after Gen X, that, that's, uh, you know, and maybe the, the younger generation Y and, and millennials and then our children are not as robust. No. And sorry, if we haven't, that generation. We haven't let them be. <laughs> we haven't let them be. That's, that's right. They're not as, they generally, you know, unless they have been raised that way, they generally don't seem to have the resilience. And I think as, as parents, um, I don't know what's changed in terms of why Generation X are wrapping their children up so much in in cotton wool you know why why what why did the memo change yeah what yeah. changed there because that's not how we were raised so why have we and it wouldn't have been how our parents were raised and it wouldn't have been how our parents were raised before now has this just been something that generation after generation after generation you know the more more cotton wool has been wrapped around uh, you know each generation because i can imagine centuries ago you know children weren't even looked at <laughs> Yeah, I think it's something to do with the numbing and the finding achievement for yourself and finding self-worth in your children's achievement in the, in, you know, in the sense of all the trophies and all the achievement and put them in this sport and that sport and do this for them and that for them and possibly and that gives you a sense of something to do, something to care about, something to go to, all of those things that if you're not if you're not exploring your own self as a parent at least you've got something to do when you're putting all of yourself into <laughs> your child oh those poor I'm kids. speaking really generally like yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that this is everybody's doing it wrong and this is how they're yeah, doing yeah, it but yeah. I feel like it I feel like it is something to do with the internal um not enoughness of the yeah, parents who possibly yep yeah, that, that could be right, that eternal quest for perfection or yeah. um, for yeah. contentment, contentment, possibly, yeah. And, and on that, that note, there was a really quite a compelling chapter around mobile phone. There was a couple of, of um, and I thought that this, this part of mine was referring to um, another point, but this point's also good. One, the, the point that I thought was referring to was when Glennon catches herself being really frustrated with her wife, Abby, because Abby um, is off out the door to go and do something really frivolous and fun and, you know, something that's just, just about her and, and having fun. I can't remember what it was, like to, to go and play a sport of some sort, basketball game or something. And I don't know how you say sport with such just. Just to test. Like yeah. As if you'd like Sport. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, Abby's like the champion soccer player, but it wasn't soccer. It was like a game of, of basketball or something like that. 
anyway, it was mid midweek or whatever. And Glennon found herself getting really frustrated, you know, like, what, what do you mean? She's like, oh, wouldn't that be nice just to be able to just go and do a game of basketball, you know, whenever yeah. you want it. She catches. So again, she looks internally to go, okay, where's that anger coming from? And it points back to that, you know, the fact that we don't allow ourselves, you know, we've got all these rules, these internal rules that exist in our head of what's allowed midweek and what's allowed on the weekend and what's allowed when the kids are home versus, you know, and what's allowed. What's allowed as a mother, yeah. And can I just go and do something on my own or do I need to, you know, bring the whole family? And I thought that was a really good point. But she also makes a really good point about her son's use and her son at the time I think was about 13. Um, and she, she, it's a beautiful chapter that is devoted to basically watching him go from this curious, um, really kind of tactile, adventurous young boy to getting a mobile phone um, and becoming a, um, someone who, who is just kind of flat and who's lost their curiosity for the world and who just has one default and that's to get on their phone. And with teenage kids, I recognise this. I've got, I've got some kids, well, one, one child's not really on, um, uh, a, you know, a mobile device yet. Um, I've got one child who has a mobile device, but she, you know, her phone's never charged half the time, so she's not really on it. But then I've got one child who is very much that is her default. Um, and she ends up talking to her... Um, she ends up talking through, and this is something I've also heard before as well, but she, she makes the point that, that children use phones that as soon as they're bored, the minute that they don't have something to do, they pick up their phone and, and entertain themselves. And so that's what, that's what makes them lose themselves because they don't ever get to that point. And she says, um, the, uh, the moment after we don't know what to do with ourselves is the moment we find ourselves. Right after itchy boredom is self-discovery, but we have to hang in there long enough without bailing. Yep. And I just think that, that's, that's, that's something that one child doesn't do. My poor children, because I read this when we were in full-on quarantine lockdown. Oh, yeah. And I was getting, I'm bored every 10 minutes. And then I read that chapter yeah. and then my poor kids, I was like, good. Yes. This, is, this is how you're going to discover who you are. What do you want to do? Do you want to bake a cake? Do you want to draw? What do you want to do? You want to build a tower? Like yeah. this is how we're going to figure out who you are in the world. Yes. And they, were, they were like, I just want to watch telly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Can I just and get I, on YouTube? I did, I did the same and, and same with, with, with Henry. So he doesn't have, a, he doesn't have a, an, an, an iPhone or, or uh, iPad or Neither does my Henry. Don't but worry. he likes it. <laughs> but he does like to go and he might want to go and get on the Xbox or watch a bit of TV. You know, that's his, his default. Yeah, and same thing. I was like, nah, if you're bored, that's a good thing. Yeah. Now, you know, sit there in that boredom, feel the pain and come up with something that, that, um, that you can do. And sure enough, like it's hell for 20 minutes. Yeah. Sure enough, they go, eh, yeah, I guess I could go and play with Lego. Or, yeah. and, you know, one night when I did it, he went off, found a pair of scissors, cut up a cereal box and made a full, you know, trail for a marble to, to go across. But a lot of us, and I think this is where that this Gen X comes from, we're so time poor and we're so stretched 
that we just don't want the conflict. So if someone says they're bored, oh, okay, here, quick, have my phone. Yeah. Because I, I don't, I, like, yeah. I, I honestly don't have the mental capacity to deal with the conflict right now. Yeah. So no one's prepared to sit through the pain of the 20 minutes until the other side, until they find the pair of scissors. Yeah. Lucinda made a kookaburra in exactly the same way that you just explained Henry did. She got a cup and she found a feather from goodness knows where and she got some paper and some scissors and some sticky tape and she made a kookaburra out of a cup and she brought it to me and I was like, you're a prodigy. This is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it only came from that moment where I had to say no, no, no to the YouTube, no to the TV, no to any other thing that you want to do. And it's painful for 20 minutes. It's, a, it's annoying because they keep, it's not like they go, oh, okay. Thanks, mum. Good. Thanks. Great mom. advice. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. painful for everyone. Not yeah. Just them. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've run out of time, but you, we could talk, we could do six episodes essentially. Yeah. But if you haven't picked up Glennon Doyle's Untamed, it's got a gorgeous purple cover. You will not regret reading this. I've bought copies for so many people. Everyone yes. I run into well, including it. Including me. So I have to thank you for getting that into my life because it's, I mean. I Throwing it in may, your may, front door. I was going to say I'm, I may or may not have come across it eventually because there, there's a, obviously it's, there's a lot of buzz about it, but I, I probably wouldn't have. So without, without you throwing that into my, my front door in your bonnet, um, <laughs> I would never have come across it. Let's just explain that. I was not wearing a bonnet. I was wearing, I was in full mum beach outfit. So I had my full mum hat and a, my full long rashy and my board shorts. And Jane's husband, Kev, had no idea who I was at the door because I had my sunnies on as well. So I was like full cover up. She was incognito. I was. And you and weren't meant to be visiting people at the time. So he's like, who the hell is at my front door? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it was states and he said oh my god when when she'd left because i was downstairs oh my god you'll have to apologize to stacy i just i had no idea it was her all i could see was this big bonnet and sunglasses <laughs> i said what 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 she was wearing a bonnet <laughs> and he goes yeah it was a bonnet <laughs> i was like pretty sure stace doesn't own a bonnet but no you know what she might maybe <laughs> she's very theatrical yeah it's probably going to be her she might have raided the dance dress up or something just for something just keeping quarantine do. interesting <laughs> yeah no i'm glad i could throw it your way and if you haven't got it yet when you do go to your bookstore to buy it buy two copies and give one to a friend because it's agreed it's it's, it's worth liberating. the read it's it is liberating. Yeah. It's starting a movement. It really is. And there's no going back once you've read it, I think. The yeah. words are so powerful that you're like, I'd be doing a disservice to myself, to Glennon and the rest of the world if I don't at least start making small changes. Yeah. And if you're not following Glennon Doyle on Instagram, do. She has um, morning meetings where she gets on every morning and, and either reads something from the book or her original book, Love Warrior, or she just talks from her heart and says what's going on and I'm enjoying that just as much as I've enjoyed the book. So I'm glad you enjoyed it too, Jane. There'd be nothing worse than turning up in my bonnet and throwing it at you and you going, that was ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) No, I loved it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to Miss Bossy Boots. We are heading towards our 100th episode and we have a very special, exciting guest that's going to be joining us. And I don't know when we're going to tell you about it, but probably just when it happens really. But that's exciting. (laughs) Jane and I are pretty stoked. 
Um, and we appreciate the fact that you've held on to us for the ride for a hundred whole episodes. It's really cool. Yes. If you want to leave us a rating or review, they're still very valued to us. Please do so on Apple Podcasts if you want to get in touch with us. Jump in the Miss Bossy Boots group. That's probably where we will be the most. So just search on Facebook for Miss Bossy Boots Podcast Group. And we'll talk to you very soon. Goodbye. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 